Thank you for tuning in to Uncommon Women, a podcast that provides a platform for women of all walks of life to share their upbringings, life lessons learned, experiences, and journeys to come. Uncommon Women speaks on topics that can relate to all women. We share, we listen, we laugh, we cry, and we empower each other to be the best uncommon woman that they can be. Ultimately, we are cultivating a global movement of women supporting women. Women supporting entrepreneurship, relationships, self-love, and so much more. We inspire each other to make an impact on this world for the better. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Uncommon Women. Now, finally, grab a seat, get comfortable, and hear from your wonderful host, Shanira and Jenny Lee. Thank you, kings and queens, for tuning in to Uncommon Women. I'm Shanira. And I'm Jenny Lee. And today we have an amazing guest speaker by the name of Miranda O. She's going to come on here and share a little bit of her testimony um, of helping women despite, you know, the traumatic life or circumstances that we have. Uh, just to tell you a little bit about her, she's a Canadian author, mom, podcast host that strives and thrives in finding positivity in our darkest places of life. Um, she has a series called Chin Up, Tits Out that has made marks in the industry with her ability to speak about taboo to topics in lighthearted, engaging, and entertaining ways. Um, whatever challenges she has, she's normally um, able to face them, and she finds a way through holding her head high, thriving, and throwing her shoulders back with confidence on the inside out. So thank you so much, Miranda, for coming out and being a part of Uncommon Women today. We are greatly appreciated to have you. Um, before we get into your testimonies, can you tell a little bit about yourself and um, something that you like doing or just anything that you want to add to your uh, bio? Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I, I am from Canadian. I'm from, or I'm from Canada. I'm from the prairies. And we just had like this massive blizzard the last couple of days. So I've been snowed in to my parents' house of, of all places to be. <laughs> um, it's been a wild, wild couple of days. Um, but definitely, I'm super thrilled to be here and, and share my story. Um, as much as um, my story sounds ridiculous and wild when we get into it, um, reality is often stranger than fiction. But when we start to peel back the layers, everybody's got this strange story. And that's mm -hmm. the reason why I wrote Chin Up Tits Out. It was because we are all relatable. When you start to strip away the scenario, the feelings that we feel are the same. Same. And the way those feelings tend to manifest in us are the same. Fear manifests the same as, as happiness. You know, when yeah. we're happy and we're excited, we feel butterflies in our tummy and our heart is like pounding. And we are, you know, your face, your cheeks hurt from smiling so much, like your ears are in the way. And maybe you still like want to shake it out a little bit. So I'm really excited to, to kind of get into that today with y'all. Yes, I'm super excited too. And now I'm just curious, like being at your parents' house for three days, that means you don't have to cook, right? They're cooking all the food for you. Like, well, you know, 
I, you know, it would it, normally I would say yes, but it's like it's like what what is like the laziest way that we can like make food? So today's <laughs> supper was like a, a cheese ball with some crackers and like <laughs> meat and some pickles, and everybody's like, "Are are you good for supper with this?" And we're all like silently like nodding. <laughs> My kids like ah. Oh, well, where's supper supper? I'm like, you know, I'm just going to feed you a bunch of meat and cheese and like pray to all higher powers that I don't have to deal with the ramifications of that later today. Right. <laughs> you got to see it like this. You got to see it this way. You still had some, you had some dinner. Yeah, exactly. I got, I got some eats. I am satisfied. So, I mean, I can't really complain. And like, who doesn't love meat and cheese? Like, well, I'm right. a vegetarian, right. but like, uh, it's, it's good, especially on a Thursday, which is kind of like a Friday in, in this sense. So, uh, it's like a perfect way to end the week. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that. And then I'm sure they're helping out with the, how many children do you have? I have one, I have one year, a one-year-old uh, daughter and she's just Aww. a riot and absolutely <laughs> hilarious and this quirky little individual that does not stop talking when you're going to learn real quick that that is genetics. <laughs> um, so my parents and their neighbors have their handfuls. Well, well, we're on this podcast today. <laughs> so blessed for them. <laughs> yeah, and and they've raised you. So I'm sure they're like, oh, this is nothing. This is a <laughs> Yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, we remember this from 30 right. something years ago. Like, yes, exactly. So not much has changed. Now there's just two of us. That's awesome. So let's get in, let's get into a little bit of your testimony. Can you tell us um first off, you know, how was your life growing up and how did things um how was everything growing up as a child? You know what? I had a very idyllic childhood. Um, I have a younger brother who is just under two years younger than me, happily married parents. Um, they owned a business, so they worked from home all the time. My dad was my soccer coach for most of the years that I played soccer. Um, and then was also subsequently my brother's soccer coach and hockey coach as well for most of the years that he was playing sports. Uh, so we had extremely involved parents. Whenever we didn't want to go out somewhere, um, we used our parents. Our parents said no, even though our parents were like, yeah, totally, go ahead, do it. <laughs> we were like, mm, can we just stay at home and hang out with you? So we were a very close family growing up, um, which was fantastic. Now, when it came to like my friends, I, I was never really best friends with anybody. I had close friends, but I always kind of flitted between between people. And now in my my adulthood, I'm still the same. I know hundreds and thousands of people from all corners of the world, but like literally my family is my best friend. Um, and I don't think I would want it any other way. It, uh, it's really nice to have those roots, especially now that I have a child of my own. Um, and just, you know, keeping that family unit really close and like working to keep it strong and balanced and peaceful. Um, that's like a full-time in it job in itself. Um, I did two years of college after high school. I loved it. I probably would have appreciated it way more if I joined that college program later in my life. I did creative writing or sorry, creative communications. So, um, you know, I was doing PR work, journalism work, broadcasting, advertising, stuff like that. And I learned so much, but I, I didn't retain it as an 18, 19 and 20 year old. I had so much on the go. 
Um, now if I were, were to go back to that course, I'm sure I probably would have taken on so much more, but education is continuous. Like I'm still learning. I'm still in, actually in a college course right now. Um, so I'm constantly doing school and certifying myself in different things and just upping that education. Cause I mean, again, it's like the moment you stop learning is the moment you start to get old in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So never stop learning. I got married when I was really young. I was 20 and a half, which was when my parent, my mom actually got married. So I thought it was like, you know, picture perfect. Right. And, um, and that's kind of like that, that journey of working towards getting married at 20 was really where the chin up tits out uh, series started. Cause, um, it was just an uphill battle and then a downward facing spiral mm. in like the span of, probably five, six years, seven years, maybe a little bit longer. Let's go, let's go a decade. Like okay. from start to the time where I actually was like fully healed okay. um, from all the trauma and drama. So that decade of like 18 to 28 was extremely chaotic. Lots of beauty, but also lots of dark. And and but at the same time now looking back at 33 next week. Okay, 33 next week. Um it it was like, it came full circle, like so many life lessons and so much learned and so much gained, even though there was a lot of loss. And so really I have like no regrets or no disappointments. When I look back, I only see the happiness when I look back, even through the dark times. Mm. Can you elaborate a little bit more in regards to the dark times? Was it, was it in between the marriage or was it just something that you guys had disagreements or can you speak to people that are dating um, in their earlier 20s and, you know, possibly want to get married to the high school sweetheart or the love of their life at that time? And they really don't, you know, have the guidance that you had like your parents yeah, you know, my parents, first things first, my parents were supportive, regardless of any reservations they may have had of me getting into that marriage. Um, they were supportive thinking and, and the thought was, we want to support you so you don't run away. Because if we right. tell you no, don't do it, you're going to do it anyways. That's the type of daughter we want to have is to mm -hmm. like, go forth with what you believe in. Um, and then if or when it does blow up, then we're right here to catch you when you fall. And right. I, and I fully believe that now being a mom, um, I, I want to keep my daughter close, but at the same time, she's her own person and I got to let her do what she's going to do. She's mm -hmm. only like 13 months mm -hmm. old, but still like that is a philosophy that I'm going to try to ingrain in her and I moving forward. Um, so my ex-husband is from South Africa and, um, when, when we met, he was here in Canada working on a work permit and it was like this hopeless, beautiful, meet cute romance, um, a very hot, beautiful romance, a very mm -hmm. fast paced. But then he had to go back to South Africa and we're like, oh, pff, no problem. We'll just get you to like come to Canada because like Canada's the best place in the world, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and um, that immigration story took a left turn real quick. Um, we hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock with immigration, um, red flagged for temporary visas. Um, then, you know, after years and years of trying to get him here, we really had only a choice to get married or 
me move out to South Africa, which wasn't ever really an option. It wasn't safe or stable to live there. Um, so we always wanted to be in Canada. Mm-hmm. So we're like, well, let's just bite the bullet and get married. And like, when I say immigration was a struggle, I was in college. He was attempting to, to work and, and we were doing long distance and it's not like long distance when you're across country and like two, three, maybe five hours, like apart, we were 3000 miles apart and like eight hours difference. And, you know, with school being extremely demanding and that time change, it was just, it was really hard to maintain that relationship. And then I would take my Christmas break because that was the only time I had, I, I went to college from September till June and mm-hmm. I had a two week or three week period in between December and January. And then from May till September, I was working like all week and every weekend. So I could then afford a $2,000 airplane ticket down to South Africa mm-hmm. and live in South Africa. And, and just the way things were, I ended up funding most of my trip down there. So I would pay for food. I'd pay for electricity. I'd pay for going out hotels. If we decided to excursions, if we decided to, you know, my dollars went a lot farther than the money that he made. He kind of just lived paycheck to paycheck. And, and sometimes that wasn't even suffice to put electricity on for, you know, the end of the month. So, um, that was a struggle in itself. And I mean, as, as we know, immigration now is, is not any more or less difficult. It is equally, Uh if not more difficult because of COVID. So just going through that, that process, like I remember going to a Canadian, um, embassy in, in Johannesburg and, and I requested that I see an, uh, an immigration officer months prior to me landing in South Africa. I gave them the date that I was going to be there, gave them times. Nobody ever responded to me. So I went there with my passport and like little old naive me had never traveled outside of like Canada and like Cancun, Mexico, uh-huh. um, like never. And I'm like, Hey, so I want to go see an immigration officer on this big, big, he was big, and he's like no and I'm like yes and he goes no and I'm like but yes I'm a Canadian citizen like I was adamant I'm like that I have the right to be here and he goes I have the right to tell you no and I have the gun and the machete who what what side are you gonna take right my husband was just like can you stop talking because he will lock you up. He will lock you up or he will whack you into bits. And like, it ain't going to make the news, honey. Like you are a white girl in Africa. Like, no. And I'm like, no, but see my salary, my, my tax dollars pay this man's salary. Like that's how immigration or embassies work, don't they? And he just like, he's like, I love you, but stop. So, you know, like we had challenges to overcome and (laughs) anyways, like I said, when I look back, I think of it as all funny because it was all funny, but there were times where I'm like, I didn't see the guy for 11 months and that was hard. There was a lot of tears. There was a lot of angry moments. There was a lot of no talking to each other because there was miscommunication and, you know, it was very tumultuous, very hot and cold throughout those times. Definitely there was love and there was passion but it was all over the place. And, and like I said, I had, I worked every single day for 11 months to just be there for 14 days a year and then give everything I had, everything materially, emotionally, spiritually, physically 
to just be there. And then we finally got him to Canada and I was like, Ooh, I'm going to get my happy ending. Like, you know, like Disney Cinderella, we're getting her happy ending. Finally, Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, that's not the reality of how it happened. You know, we moved in, we struggled to get him a job and we struggled to get him all of his like medical cards and, you know, Mm -hmm. just all the stuff that takes a long time to get settled in a new country. And you don't think about that. You just think, oh, you're going to land and you're going to have your happy ending. It's just not the way it is. Yeah. And um, so six months after he landed, we uh, discovered a lump in his neck and we're like, oh, that's weird. So we went to the ER and we're like, what do you think this is? And um, like a week later, it was, we found out that it was cancer and we're like, okay, so now what? And at that point he like rolled over and died. You know, the bugs that like petrify and like stop. Yeah. They, like that was, that was him. And wow. I'm like rolling up my sleeves going, all right, give me the to-do list. Like I'm like ready to fight this. And he was just ready to roll over and die. And, and we had battled with his cancer for about 13 months. And when I tell you every single roadblock, um, there was to hit, we hit two times over, you know, oh, cancer was, or the chemo was making the cancer more angry. So his tumors, like he had tumors, the size of footballs, wow. um, under underneath his armpits and he was down to 90 pounds. So he was walking around with like skinny chicken leg arms and football sized tumors underneath his armpits. He was yellow and green in his skin, lost his hair. Um, Wow. He like, like, like everything we even did a stem cell transplant, which was, if this doesn't work, this is it. Like you basically uh-huh. just got to start to say your goodbyes until he passes. Wow. And you know, through all this, when somebody, me wants to fight, but I'm the mm-hmm. caregiver. I'm not the patient. Yeah. There was nothing I could do that was right or enough to make him fight mm-hmm. and to yeah. fulfill him. And that was a huge lesson that I learned way after the fact mm-hmm. was like, I can't love somebody happy. I can't mm-hmm. love somebody well. And in that time, we lost our home. We lost our car. We lost his job. I lost my job. We moved into my parents' place. Like, thank Jesus for my parents. They helped us out tremendously. As wow. I, While I was searching for jobs, they took him to medical appointments wow. and were fighting with him or for him. And, wow. you know, we had addiction issues with him pop up during this, you know, he was popping pain medication, like they were M&Ms. And so at some point I had to start to hide and count medication for him. And then undiagnosed mental illness came and his mom, we knew was always a little, you know, off the rocker that was put mildly. And so, and he knew that, and that was one of the reasons why he wanted to come to Canada. And when he got sick and was taking all these medications, we started to see genetic similarities come up. And so now I'm not only dealing with somebody who doesn't want to live, but I'm now dealing with somebody who has addiction issues who, and then also now has kind of this, this bipolar 
ten, these bipolar tendencies and wow. personalities. And, you know, again, like there was nothing I could do. Like I would roll over in this at night and rush him accidentally. And he would just enrage. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And then there were times where he would stop breathing in the middle of the night. And so I would try to like, try to gently wake him up. Then I'm like, oh my God, did he die? Like, is he dead beside me? And lo and behold, I'm I'm 22 when this mm-hmm. when when this is all happening, 22, 23. Either way, I'm very young, mm-hmm. and and then he'd wake up and just like scream at me and get up and go into the spare room and lock himself in the spare room, and then be in there for like two days, like get out, go to the bathroom, come back in, mm-hmm. and. You know, he would sneak out and buy cigarettes and buy buy booze and then hide it and smoke in my parents' house. And my family is not a smoker family. I'm like, but you're dying. Like, please. He like, gave up on life. Oh, for sure. He gave yeah. up on life. And then one day I um, went to yoga because I was like, girl, you got to get your Zen on. Like, how do you deal with this? Right. So I was right. trying to do everything that I could. And so my mom and I went to a yoga class and came back and um and he had a backpack and his passport and a flight and he's like I'm getting out of here and I'm like sweet where are we going he's like nope I'm leaving today in three hours and I was like where are you going he's like I'm going home I gotta I don't want to be here anymore and I'm like where did he get the money from his family bought the ticket for him reluctantly And, and so we got on the phone with his parents and his parents were like, no, 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 he's fine. He just needs to come home and like, you know, have a barbecue with his dad and a couple of beers and like talk about life and like, it'll rejuvenate him. And I was like, he just went through a stem cell transplant, meaning he has absolutely no immune system. Yeah. And I said, he's going to travel for 30 hours by himself. I said, we don't have any medication. He's addicted to his medication. He's going to go through withdrawals, which is terrible because I had seen it three or four times in the last Mm -hmm. year. And they were like, no, sorry, like we're not supporting you on this. And so then I started calling his aunties and uncles and his, his siblings and his like cousins. And I'm like, please like help me. And they're like, We've been told by his family, like we agree with you and we're on your side, but we've been told by his family that we ha- we can't get into this. Like, and, and I was like, okay, fine. So just call me when you get there, call me when you're safe. And then he didn't. And then he disappeared for like a week. And when I finally tracked him down, like nobody was picking up my calls. They were screening my calls when finally, when his mom picked up the phone she was super like, what do you want? Why are you calling? I'm like, what do you mean? What? Like, my husband left me unannounced. And to me, it was out of the blue at that point. Looking back years later, so many red flags that I chose to ignore. But yeah. at that time, it was unannounced. And that's how I felt. And when he picked up the phone, was like, what do you want? He was so snarky with me. And I was like, you have zero regard of how I feel in this situation. Like, I know you're the patient, but I am your caregiver. I am your wife. Like, I have a right to feel something in this as well and have a say. And you just walked out of our lives. And he, again, gave me some sass. And so I just broke at that point. I said, you know what? Don't come back. Like, don't come back. And he's like fine. When I die, it's on you. And he hung up and he was gone for like 
I can't, I can't tell you how many months I don't remember, but he was gone. And at that point I, whatever was left of me broke. Like I had hit my proverbial rock bottom at that point. And it took me a really long time. I had got really bad migraines that would make me really you started stressing sick. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I started to unravel. You know, I went to a psychotherapist, diagnosed me with PTSD. I'm like, but I didn't go to war. He's like, actually, kind of, honey, you did. <laughs> like, oh, wow. yeah. maybe mentally, yeah. Yeah. Or you were there. And, and that was right. Cause like certain triggers would bring me right back to, a, you know, an appointment. And I would mm -hmm. remember the appointment and remember exactly what the oncologist said and remember what his face looked like at that point. And then I would just break and I'd be in the middle of a mall or in the middle of something. And it took me years to rebuild myself up, um, you know, finalize a, a separation and a divorce and with somebody that was not even here or not even willing to like get divorced for whatever reason. Um, and then it was like, all right, girl, you have two choices. Pretend this never happened and move on or like sit in your choices. Did he choose to leave? Yes. Mm -hmm. But I also chose a lot of choices. Yeah. I chose to, to, you know, to financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, like I chose to give my all to somebody knowing that I wasn't getting it back. So I sat in my own poo for a long time, wrote three books, learned a lot about the mistakes that I made, and then assessed myself. How am I not going to make these mistakes again? And Lord knows when I dated after that, I continued to make some mistakes because I was just like desperate to get out of the situation, desperate mm -hmm. to get rid of those memories, fill my yeah. brain up with other memories, despite on, on the mistakes or bad memories. So there was a lot of learning from the time he left till my late twenties. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I met my partner a couple of years ago, so just about 31 ish. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, immediately we, I was in, a, I knew that I was in a different place mm -hmm. and knew it was almost like, okay, well, like, I know we just met and I know we've been, you know, just dating for a few months, but like, this is, this is what I want in life. Like, do you align with this or not? And, you right. know, after some really deep, intellectually stimulating, competent communication, we're like, let's do this. Let's move in. Let's have a kid and let's live happily ever after, but not stop having those and growing, in, yeah, mm -hmm. and growing together, growing as individuals, holding ourselves accountable, knowing that we're not here to change each other. We're just here to better who we are already. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, it's, he is the exact opposite of what my ex-husband is and it's fantastic. Um, but like my life has come full circle of I mean, literally watching the person that I thought I loved the most walk out of my life and be completely blindsided by it to now being happier than I ever could have imagined. And of course, like we're like, we still are broke. Like we're not broke, broke, but we, we ain't we're rolling managing. in the we're dough. Managing. We're, 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 we're managing. <laughs> and like, you know, we're living in blizzards and, and right. we, you know, we have a car that barely fits the car seat, but like we're living the dream. You know, we don't have the biggest house. We don't have the fanciest cars. We don't have large bank accounts. We don't have all the fancy.
fancy bells and whistles, but we have that moral connection and that connection is just everything. And we've worked very hard to maintain it. So, you know, I love talking about this as, as much as it is difficult to, or or it it isn't anymore, but it, it was difficult to even admit that I made mistakes. Um, it's put me in such a better place. And then to say like, Hey, if you're going through immigration, if you're going through cancer or some sort of illness or injury with your partner, if you're a patient or a caregiver, or if you're going through a divorce or a separation, yo, I got you. Like I've been through it through the thick and thin, and I'm down to talk about it and down to talk about what worked for me and the mistakes that I made and hoping that you don't feel the the aloneness and the abandonment that I just felt over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But hey, those negative emotions make you have the ability to feel the opposite of those yes. really extreme yeah. positive emotions. So I'm all about it. Sit in your poo. You're gonna you're <laughs> gonna shine after that. I promise. It's like a mud bath. I love it. I um when after you shared your story, I thought about, you know, how you have the rainbow after the storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. You know, that's the first thing that popped. Well, the first thing popped up was 90 Day Fiance. And I'm just like, yeah, I, the same. <laughs> I was like, that sounds like 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> yes, yes. And I was like, but he doesn't want a visa. He really loves her. So, like, I'm really intrigued by the whole story. But it's just like to to be in your 20s, because I know how I was in, mm-hmm. in my early 20s and just you know, the love of your life just walk away. What yeah. besides, you know, going at least first off, I condone you for getting help, you know, because mm-hmm. sometimes we just live in it and just be yeah. like, yeah. ain't it wrong with me? Like I'll get mm-hmm. over it or mm-hmm. try to fill a void by dating other people, you know. Oh, yeah. totally. Oh <laughs> been there, done that too. <laughs> right, right. So, like, how did you get over those challenges and your emotional battles and you know, make ends meet? Living with your, going back to your parents' house, like, how did you get over that barrier? And then like, you know what? I need to get up. I need to get out of this funk. You know, it was, it was honestly having that relationship with my parents was, was a big catalyst to it. It was like, I have, my parents have done nothing but support and love. And now I move out as like an independent adult and then move back in as a complete dependent in my mid twenties. So it was like, as soon as I found an opportunity to get out and they, they did not make me feel like I was a burden, but there was a lot of self guilt that I was dealing with at that point And a lot of self loathing tendencies that I was feeling at that point. So the moment I got an opportunity to get out, I got out and then I moved into a house with six men like six roommates. It was, oh, wow. I don't even know the word. Um, <laughs> interesting, colorful um, uh, memories that I want I, to forget, but laugh about like, anyways. Uh, I, I, I know, know. Men, oh. like, it's probably like, you would probably be doing all the cleaning. We got a woman oh, in yeah. the house. Yeah. It's just like, no, I was like, I ain't happy. your girlfriend. I ain't your wife. And I <laughs> right. ain't your mama. Like, I am not cleaning up after you. So I literally would, it would kill me, but I would leave dishes sitting and like rice would grow mold in the pot. And I was like, just disgusting. But I'm like, I'm not cleaning up after you. I will use another pot. I will clean it. I will put it away. I even had to hide toilet paper. Like I found one of the roommates in the middle of the night, snafuing toilet paper from the roll and then running back down to his bathroom. I'm like, bro, it's $10 at the store. Oh like, my like, goodness. Come on. <laughs> like, come, like, come on. It was, 
and, and to boot, like I was living in like this little office closet off like oh, a laundry room. Like, a room. Oh, oh yeah, room. and it was a room by a university, so it was just like all uh-huh. these like you know international students, and it was like constant revolving door of roommates and like who these people like I'm like who, who I don't even remember ninety percent of their names. Um, you know, <laughs> the odd time we'd host a party, and it was just like just people around, and you'd wake up, and there was like people sleeping in the bathtub, and people sleeping oh, on my the couch, goodness. and it was like. I, uh, I need to like get out of that. And so, but I wasn't financially in a place to get out of it. And so, you know, you do what you got to do. And, you know, I was, yeah. I, I would, I would go take to Tinder. I got no money in the bank account. Right. My roommates are disgusting. Um, and I'm hungry. So I'm like, I'm purely looking for a date to take me out for dinner. And that is exactly what I would go get. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and then I'd never see that person again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the moment, you were just doing what you had to do. You gotta do what you gotta do. You know? Exactly. You know, I was traveling for work a lot, so I would be stuck in you know hotels and different places across Canada for like a week at a time. I'm like, girls, lonely. Like, let's find a little muse for a week. And so, like. I had people in different provinces. I'm like, you're here for a reason. Right. And then when I leave, I don't care what you do. I don't right. need to hear from you. Like, we cool. And, um, you know, again, a lot of self-learning and a lot of self-discovery. And um, when I was able to, I was actually able to move back into the condo that I had once lived in as oh, soon as I moved out of my parents as like the, the independent individual that I was. And, wow. um, I actually rented out my spare room. I couldn't afford it by myself and I didn't want a roommate. Um, so I rented out my room on Airbnb as a shared space. Mm. And when I tell you that was a game changer for that me, not game changer. Yeah. Oh, it was. <laughs> Like I had to keep my place clean. I wanted a five-star rating. So my place was impeccable all the time. I made friends. I have friends from literally all corners of the world, like 40 different countries. I still talk to a large handful of them. You know, like now one of my best friends is from Iraq. And, and I honestly would have never, we would have never crossed paths if it wasn't for Airbnb. And he is like, the apple of my eye. He warms my soul so much. He's like my brother. Like I couldn't have asked for a better friend. And, um, he moved away to a different province a couple of years ago and he took his summer vacation here and stayed at our place and slept in a futon next to the crib. My, my like four month old baby, like <laughs> bless his soul, like to take your vacation and right. a little old Winnipeg, Manitoba and the prairie. But you built that relationship, which is amazing. Exactly. And, <laughs> and friendships like that, they will just exactly and you know like just you know being at that point in my life and like looking at our friendship and he's there with my partner now and you know he saw me at like the beginning of you know mm-hmm. or the end of me living with all these roommates and um he was just like you know what? I am so happy to see where you are now mm-hmm. compared to where I met you three four years ago mm-hmm. um he's just like just seeing the evolution of you and like still you are who you are to your core but you have just come so far and he's like now that you're a mom you've just even like beyond more layers 
And, and I'm like, oh, bro, you're going to make me cry. But, <laughs> you know, like to feel right. that yourself. And because then you for see the awareness of your growth, which yeah. is yeah. like sometimes exactly. we get through all that while we're living life. But for That's someone true. to acknowledge it, you're mm-hmm. like, that just yeah. warmed my heart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it just warmed <laughs> my heart. And, you know, it, it just, it felt great to, to get that back. And then, you know, when I started to like, okay, you know, like I'm done with the dating for like the free dinner or the dating for like the muse or the dating because, you know, you have a fancy car and I just want to like sit in it once a week. <laughs> yes, I did that here really. Far, but, uh, <laughs> he would take me out for really nice restaurants and like have a couple drinks. And he was like, okay, you can drive home, but like don't speed. And I'm like, ooh, this feels good. <laughs> just rev the engine at the red lights. <laughs> But when I was done and like ready to like move on from there, um, I like power of attraction is like hippie, gypsy, like wonky tonky that feels or sounds like I wrote out a list of characteristics and attributes that were like non-negotiable. And, you know, I did research on like how to do like this power of attraction and like attract the type of person that would really fit you and like what, what attributes fit you. And I really thought it was going to be hard and I struggled to get to like 10 items. And then within like a month, I had like 40 items and then people are like, "Mm, girl, you're too picky. I'm like, no, I don't think I am. Cause it's not materialistic. Like I don't need you to have a seven figure bank account. I don't need you to have a fancy car. What I need is you to be financially responsible and I I need you to be driven professionally. I don't care Mm -hmm. if you pick up garbage or you make burgers. If you love what you do Mm -hmm. and you're driven in what you do, then I don't care. Right. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it was now I, I refined that list. I worked through it. I dated people and, and then I ended it. I'm like, Hey, you, you hit 17 of them, but then the next five you don't. And if, and then I asked myself, is it because we're not, we're not there yet in a relationship or that's just not who you are as a person? Mm. If it was the latter, it was, you know what? It's not you. It's not me. We're just not meant to be. Right. Yeah. So let's amicably yep. move our own ways before I start to get hurt because you're not who I need in a partner. And yeah. they're like, I can't, I can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, perfect. Handshake it out. You know, maybe a last hurrah, depending on who it was. But you know, like, <laughs> and then and then you move on, and every right. single partner got better and better and closer and closer. And then I met my partner, and it was like, oh my god, I have this list to show you. And he's like, don't show me, I don't want to see it. And I was really perturbed. I'm like, why? But why? And he goes, because when you start dating somebody, you're selling yourself to them. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to pretend to be any of these things I want you to interpret these things and me as you would because I might interpret them differently so he's like you check off your list and if you have any questions about anything ask them Mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll cross that bridge and I was like okay you know what I respect that I respect that and then the lockdown happened and we had a choice either don't see each other until we come out of lockdown, which was Lord knows when, or we hunker down under one roof and Airbnb was like non-existent at that point because travel was non-existent. So he moved in with me and six weeks later, I was like, 
bro, you jacked off everything. <laughs> I think I love you. And he goes, I care for you deeply, but I am not there yet. And I was like, oh. And he goes, no, 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 no. you can tell me that all you want. But he's like, if I tell you that in response, it's because I feel like I'm forced to. So he's like, don't force me to. Right. I will get there, but trust that I care for you really deeply and I want to continue this relationship. And I was like, okay, but I love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> like wake up and I'm like, morning. <laughs> love you. And it's just like, I care for you really deeply. <laughs> and then one day he said it back to me. And when he did, I just mushed. I was like, oh my God, guys, he loves me too. Like, oh. <laughs> it, was, it was honestly the best because I knew at that point it was genuine mm -hmm. and it yeah. meant what it was meant to mean, not just lip service. Right. And, and for me, it was, you hit all 40. Like, I can't ask for anything else. Like four. That's a good list. Got it, right? Definitely. Like, and girls like I, I share that list like openly. And I'm like, you know what? You use it, you edit it, you remove, you add, you refine mm -hmm. to make mm -hmm. it work for yourself. Mm -hmm. But I reviewed that list every single day for like probably eight months to a year. And then the six weeks of living together during the lockdown and like watching the pandemic numbers, like I kind of fell off the wayside <laughs> for the list. But then when I went back to it, I was like, oh, how damn. And it was just, it was a steal deal after that. So like you yeah. looking at him, looking at the list. Know, like, you're like, whoa, what? Yeah. did that? What happened here? <laughs> like, bippity boppity. Bam! Like, okay. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like when I say full circle, like full circle. Like I'm, like I said, I'm 33 in a week, and I was 23, 24 when my ex-husband walked down on me, right. and I thought I hit rock bottom. And like, I have probably hit rock bottom three or four times in between that, but every single time. I'm like, what is the lesson that I can learn from mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. And, and you made a good point with that. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. You made a good point with that. What yeah. what can we tell others or what advice can you give someone, you know, that continues to get pushed back every time uh, trying to take a step forward? You know what? Just keep chin up, tits out. Like hold your head held high, your shoulders back, stand up tall and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Honestly, mm. you don't stop. I've watched what happened when my ex-husband stopped. Mm -hmm. I watched my friends stop in their own lives and they're stuck a decade later. I've seen mm. middle-aged people starting their lives from scratch and petrified. And I'm like, you are mm. in your prime right now. Don't stop. Um, my first publisher told me that a, a an object is in motion is a lot easier to direct than a stagnant op, op, yeah. object. Okay. So if a ball is rolling, all you need to do is tap the ball really lightly for to, it to change direction. But to get that ball rolling is a lot more effort. So just to keep going um, and, and, and never give up. If you believe in something strong enough and wholeheartedly, then you will get there. But the thing is that you have to sometimes sit back and go, why do I believe in this? Mm -hmm. Why do I mm -hmm. want this? 
because sometimes the things that we believe in and the things that we want, i.e. my ex-husband who was not a great fit for me and not the one that I was meant to be with, at some point for a very long time, I believed he was it. Mm-hmm. But I never sat and asked myself why until I had lost everything. And I'm like, girl, how did you miss that red flag? How did you miss this red flag? How did you miss the other 17,000 red flags? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's because I was just like, I believe in it. I believe in it. I believe I never asked myself why. I never mm-hmm. weighed the pros and the cons. I never th- was the devil's advocate. I, I, you know, people were. But I always thought that people, you have to ask, you have to look yourself in the mirror. Like your, your, your parents, your best friends can't tell you, hey, I don't think this person's right for you without you getting super defensive and want to smack somebody. Like if you love somebody, love is blind. But you have to sometimes ask yourself, why do I love this person? And, and the truth hurts a lot more than it doesn't. So when, when you ask yourself, there should be no negative feelings. There should be no uncertainty. But to get there, there's a lot of sitting in your own caca in yeah. order to, to move forward and get to a place of certainty. Okay. So my question for you is, like, in the process of before your husband, your ex-husband decided to walk out on you, do you think that he had everything planned out ahead of time? Um, yes, I do. I think, I think there was a level of, it was percolating in his brain for a a while. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like people are like, Oh, he wanted a a green card. He wanted to come to Canada so he could just go back to South Africa. Like no. Um, but I think at some point he just didn't want to fight anymore. And he knew that I was never going to give up. Mm -hmm. So he had a choice of living on the streets where we have blizzards here, like walking out and not having anything here in Manitoba or going back home and having the security of his family, regardless of how he felt of his family. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what he chose. And, you know, I don't knock the guy for wanting the security of your family because I heavily rely on the security of my family. Um, And so I can't knock him for doing that. He saved me from a lifetime of disappointment and heartache Mm -hmm. because I would have, it's right. I would have never given up. That's just not who I am. As you can see, but again, I had never asked myself, why do I love this person? Mm -hmm. Why am I fighting for this person? If he's not fighting for himself or fighting for us. So Mm -hmm. again, I was just doing myself no good by continuing to blindly fight for something that was never going to end well. So that's why asking yourself why sitting in your own caca is, is like so important. Move forward. But you have to ask yourself why you want something so badly. Mm-hmm. And that's a really hard question to ask ourselves. We can ask yeah. everybody else. But asking ourselves the hard question is um, always the most difficult, but always the most rewarding at the end of the day. Yes, it is. And truly, I can I agree with that. And as well as that, I, even in through the hard times that and you're like the caregiver and you're doing everything at any point, you know, you said that, you know, he, he felt like he his life ended that at any point that all the giving that you were given to him when you were just giving him everything did he even reciprocate anything coming from him at all. No, it was never good. It was never good enough. It was never right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would just 
blindly continue to fight. And so mm-hmm. um, now being in the relationship that I am, there is constant gratitude, constant mm-hmm. appreciation, mm-hmm. constant validation, even though there it, the need isn't there, but we do. It's like, you know, like there's, it, it just, it comes naturally to us. You know, oh, Marley yeah. made it to work. Have a great day. Awesome. So I'm not worried that you're in a ditch in a blizzard somewhere or like, you know what? Hey babe, thank you for doing a dishwasher today. Well, chores are kind of 50, 50 in our yeah. house. Mm-hmm. So you didn't need to thank me to do the dishwasher. Actually, you know what I did? Cause I looked at the dishwasher seven times today and I chose not to do it, but you looked at it once and you did it. So just thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that feels pretty darn good to live mm-hmm. in that. So I'm like, boy, we staying in this. <laughs> like we are not changing. Twenty years down the down the road, we are still thanking each other for doing the dishwasher. Right. You know, like we're not <laughs> taking those small things for granted. Um, but we've both, in our own ways, learned the hard way, and mm-hmm. so now we have just reaped the rewards in this relationship. I love it. I love your your happy your happy ending is what we really <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> your rainbow after your storm. But you can tell that through your experience of what you went through, um, even at a younger age, it was able to equip you to know what to look for in a relationship to to get to where you're at now, which is which is amazing because sometimes we we ignore those red red flags again and you yep, know every time and, and compromise and things like that. So. What advice can you share um, to everyone that's listening, uh, adding on to make sure you know the why when searching in relationships? What other advice would you like to give out? You know, if the list thing ain't your thing, try it anyways. Um, Mm -hmm. I've passed a list to several people and they've all come to me months later, a couple of years later, even weeks later and said, it worked for me. And mm. like, I know, again, it's like hocus pocus. Um, <laughs> but it really sitting down, like if you ask anybody successful, like how they became successful, it's like writing out your goals, mm-hmm. reviewing your goals, reviewing your daily goals, your monthly goals, your short-term goals, your long-term goals, writing out a list of that partner <laughs> is the exact same thing. You want to have a successful relationship. You've got to figure out what works for you and why it works for you. Um, and, and honestly, again, it's not easy, but it's worth it. So, you know, chin up, tits out attitude, moving forward always. And like, write out your goals in regardless in what area of, of your life. And where can we find your chin up, tits out, shoulder back, all that? <laughs> uh, you can find it on Amazon and you can find it on my website. And um, so MirandaO.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram. Um, I have more series coming out and they're going to be kind of like along those same lines of like super dark topics, but Mm -hmm. super inspiring, you know, anecdotes around them. And uh, yeah, like it's, it's exciting. So MirandaO.com or my Instagram handle is in my name. It's O Miranda O and I'm super happy to connect and my, my doors are always open. So please like, check in and I'm happy to chit chat. Even if you're going through something, we can, I can pretend to therapist you. I'm not educated in that by any means. But like, <laughs> I got two ears to listen and a big old mouth to chat your ears off. So uh, I am a good listener and also a good talker and I'm happy to, to 
help you. But, but don't downplay yourself because through experience, you are, you are, it, you are an expert. Yeah, exactly. so, girl, I've had enough therapy to like go right. through, you know, med school to get the little, uh, you know, the letters. Don't downplay yourself too much because I think a lot of people, we are doing a lot of online dating and people are dating, you know, without, within their, within their country, state, and things like that. So I think a lot of the stuff that you get did go through will be able to help someone in regard to the process and, you know, maybe make things a little bit easier in their decision as well. So yes. I feel as though you are an expert in things like that because I would have never known like the whole process of how all that works until you- Yeah, exactly. Today. Mm -hmm. um, I did also want to point out you, you, you also have a podcast. So can you tell us a little about the podcast and what days you actually do your- your podcast as well? Yeah, for sure. I do my podcast on Thursday night. So I'm literally going to be heading out for there <laughs> as soon as we're done. And our podcast name is Jot Note. So we're available on Writer's Corner Network um, and on YouTube and then also on Facebook and Anchor FM. So like Spotify and all the yes. other platforms, just Jot Notes. We take dives into the author's <laughs> world. So it's a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you. I just love how spunky you are. <laughs> Girl, thanks. <laughs> I'm super happy to be here and, and, and share my story with y'all tonight. So thank you so much. Thank you again, Miranda, for coming out and sharing your testimony. And hopefully somebody, you know, got some jewel, got, got some of your good jewels this morning. And yeah, this golden evening, nugget, not this morning, I'm telling <laughs> you, <laughs> this evening. And, you know, just hopefully they take some heat to it because I'm definitely interested in that list yeah, myself. Yeah, you reach so, out, girl, I'll send it to you. <laughs> Anyways, we have a question we ask all our guest speakers. What makes you uncommon? Oh... Girl, chin up, tits out, I think makes me uncommon just by the way that I say it. Um, so I want to share it so I'm less uncommon. And we all are unique. If we think we're normal, you wrong. You actually the weird one. Mm -hmm. We all are unique. And so um, I just like to be really loud about the dark topics and like try to make fun of them and make light of them. So maybe that's why I'm uncommon. Um yeah, I don't know. Plus, I mean, I've written a couple books, and I think that's like one percent of the population. So somebody told me that that was cool once. So I, I hang on to that tightly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, love it. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your testimony once again. And before I close out, um, I want to speak on our apparel. Make sure you come out and check out our our clothing apparel um, at www.uncommonwomen.net. Also. Um, uh, May 10th uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern, I will be having a guest coming on um, Instagram Live to t talk about lupus awareness. Um, I am still currently looking for someone for uh, for a June awareness on blindness and brain awareness. Um, definitely, if you or anyone that wants to come on that uh, is that is an advocate or has a testimony on any of the awarenesses that I had listed, um, you can email me at uncommonwomen at uncommon3women at gmail.com. And as well as make sure you come out and check us out next week um, for an incredible testimony again for another great guest speaker next week at 7 p.m. Eastern on um, Uncommon, our, our Facebook Uncommon Women. And 
Before I close out, make sure everyone you stay uncommon. Bye.